Coming up, unraveling the secrets of the Da Vinci Code. Soundtrack 411, and Eric gets knocked around by knockaround guys. Welcome to the screen. Welcome to the screen for May 18th, 2006. All about movies, DVDs, television, and more. This is Bryce. This is Eric. And this is Derek. AKA. AKA. And if you've never listened to our normal Tavern Cast show, our normal, in air quotes, Tavern Cast show, you won't have any idea who Karg is. But if you have, you'll know who Karg is. Or you wouldn't want to know who Karg is. You might not want to know either way. How does it feel being back in the Tavern Cast seat after about six months? Six months? It feels great, actually. Um, Studio has improved about a thousand times. Um, Had, have you ever actually? You were down here. I once. think he was down here once. Once, but yeah. the I last don't... time you recorded, you were here, right? Yeah, but you didn't have chocolates here, though. <laughs> <laughs> you want one of these? They're kind of stale. <laughs> They're good with beer. I tried. Yeah, them. That's, those are that's, stale. That's now. a real nice offer. You want this? It's stale. Well, <laughs> we're on a little bit of a time limit today because Derek's got to be somewhere. So we're. Just, I think we should just roll it along if we can. Well, welcome. Derek to the show. Derek will be with us from now on, so I'll be Bryce, Eric, and Derek. Uh, if you'd like to know more about the show or uh, just want to see the movies reviewed and more information about them, you can go to thescreen.taverncast.com. And we're also looking for your reviews. If you want to give us a call on our Skype line at 734-418-8727, uh, you can also just use our normal Skype username, which is just taverncast. So let's go ahead and decode today's mysteriously coded movie. himself in his own blood is it possible a code this is a message your grandfather left you he left us only he can break professor harry demons omens codes monks da vinci professor langdon you're in grave danger Salute tv robert a dramatic late night arrival what can an old cripple do for you I'm into something here that I cannot understand. We are in the middle of a war, one that's been going on forever. Protect the secret so powerful that if revealed, it would devastate the very foundations of mankind. What are you talking about? You asked what would be worth killing for. Witness the biggest cover-up in human history. So as you can tell, we're reviewing the very controversial and hotly debated and very anticipated movie, The Da Vinci Code. I probably haven't seen any movie since the Harry Potter movies actually looked forward to as much by an audience as this one. Really? That Christ movie. That that, uh, Jesus movie. Passion? The Passion? Yes. Yeah, but for different reasons. But, I I mean, basically it's because, like, Harry Potter, the books, and people were all into them, and then they made them into movies, and, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole furor over that. I wouldn't have even known this movie was coming out, except I happened to see an ad on TV a couple weeks ago. Oh, no, this was really anticipated. It's caused all kinds of... I mean, it's caused everything from anticipation to controversy to you name it. But you know what the movie reminded me of? Remind me of that Nicolas Cage movie it that did. was just out with the National Treasure? National where Treasure, everything had yeah. a stupid like map on the back of it, or hidden, oh, yeah. hidden visible ink on the side, yeah. or 
you had to look through special goggles to see it. Or... I tell you, it's a good mystery movie, you know. Well, I mean, let's give them, let's give people the four one one of the movie real quick for people sure. that may not even know what this is. It's the movie's called The Da Vinci Code. It's the original book that it's based on is by a guy named Dan Brown, who's real famous now, I guess, for yeah, writing these a... page turning novels. Um, and I've actually read the book, and I, I thought get it past was the first page. Yeah, I, yeah. I honestly, I speed read through. A good chunk of it. It was so boring. Now, was this the original Da Vinci Code book that was released years and years ago? I don't know if it was a few years, years ago. But it, was it was years, years ago yeah. when the, all the tragedies happened, and suddenly the Da Vinci Code made sense. Oh no no no! no. You're thinking of a Bible. Code. Oh, you're thinking of a Bible Code. That's something else. That's a different movie. Well, that has anagrams too. The Bible Code <sighs> is the whole. Yeah, it's a different thing. <laughs> it's like crossword puzzles with disasters and prophecies. See, I kept thinking about that. No, no, no. the Da Vinci Code is the is this novel. Yeah, this is a novel fiction. that that Dan Brown says old. is based on truth. Oh, truth, yes, yeah. on the internet. Anyways, but the movie stars Tom <laughs> Hanks, Ian McKellen, Audrey Tautou. Are we saying Something that right? Something like that. Tautou? Tautou. She's a hottie. Tautou. I don't care how you spell her name. French hottie. <laughs> yeah. Jean Reno and Alfred Molina. So they had Dr. Octopus in the movie, which was kind of cool. Well, I thought that guy looked familiar. Yeah, they also had... Wasn't the... One more... The, 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 uh, wasn't he the, the father of uh, Spider-Man's friend? Uh, no, 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 no. You're, no, thinking, no. You're thinking, thinking of, of uh, Jer- yeah, Will Jurgen Prochnow was in this uh, movie okay. too. They look alike. I do look a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. Jer- Jurgen Prochnow actually played Jesus in a movie called The Seventh Sign. I kept expecting Jurgen Prochnow to walk and go, Abby, the gulf is empty. There are no more souls. You are going to have the baby, which is going to cause apocalypse, Abby. I, I Trust me. I hadn't seen that movie. If you've seen <laughs> the seventh sign, insert, this is where you insert a soundbite of crickets chirping. <laughs> it's because you guys haven't seen it, but trust yeah, me, it's well, bad. I don't think I will. All right, so uh, and it's the movie's directed by Ron Howard, which ah, uh, Ron Howard, you failed us. You know, the guy's done a lot better work than this. Dear Lord, yeah. Isn't he a porn star? No, no, that's somebody else. Thing. <laughs> Howard, that's you're thinking of Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy, there you go. Right. Sorry, guys. <laughs> this is why we like having Derek on the show because his mind works in ways that others don't. Okay, so the movie is about an ancient heresy that Jesus didn't, or Jesus was a man and he married Mary Magdalene and they had children and there's two Wait, secret societies who are fighting each other for some reason about his descendants and these people get wrapped up in that. Was is that there, more was, or less accurately? I, I think so. Well, they're saying Jesus had, had a daughter. Um, I, I think the writers got confused midway through the movie, but that's just me. I might be crazy. <laughs> I think everything about that movie was confused. But I, I, there are rare, I, I am actually a fan of conspiracy theories. I know a lot I of conspiracy theories. I think he just basically theories. just poured a bunch of conspiracy theories into a big cauldron. And went, as far as I can tell, the movie <laughs> comprised like at least four or five well-known <laughs> conspiracy theories. They allude to the Rosicrucians. They allude to the Templars a lot. Isn't it StarCraft? Uh, different, different thing altogether. Templars are like paladins. It was a conspiratorial mess. Basically. Actually, it was just basically a mess. So what's good? What was good about the movie? So this is what I was starting to say. I like the idea of if I was going to have an assassin, I would pick an albino self-flagellating monk because nothing blends in, can sneak around like a guy Who in wears a monk his costume, robes. wears yeah. his robes out in public. It's awesome. Walks real slow with a limp. Yeah, I mean, that's not going to attract any attention. For, All right, Derek, what was good? Was, so, was anything good? Yeah, did you like anything you know, about it? I... There were there were quite a few twists in the movies. Obviously, some that I did not I did not expect, which was probably the most worth the money that was spent. But I think that's that's as far as it goes for me. Um, so it had twists. It's it a was good a, mystery movie. You know, yeah, the other I'm thing gonna, I like. I'm gonna hold my ground that it's, right. it's a good mystery movie. 
if you're you know don't don't rely on the movie for any information about information anything historical or, that's yeah for sure. you know or any historical accuracy here's something else i think at least you and i can agree on i would read toad too something we liked about the movie she's cute yeah but you know yeah. the mystery the mystery sense of it i think they did a very good job um again that is kind of destroyed by the length of the movie you know it's they're trying to give you suspense and they're trying to give suspense and apparently someone fell asleep at the script and just wrote too much <laughs> you know well, i think they were, they were probably trying to reflect the book which i believe is fairly long yeah. and all the as far as i can tell from what people say about the book it's just like a series of mysteries and so they're trying to reflect right. that i yeah. think uh, none of which at least from the movie I, obviously i haven't read the book but none of them seem to really make any much that much sense like the anagram thing at the beginning that's the whole point of an anagram is it can make like uh, you know dozens of different words and stuff no, Why can't. Would... no can't there's only oh, one there's only possible one. meaning that leonardo well what was it, it was like something it turned into leonardo da vinci basically but... it was a series of mysteries that was like okay guy dies on floor puts pentagram on chest everyone ma- first makes yeah. the right conclusion well, wait, wait, wait before he, he dies on the floor and strips himself and puts a pentagram on his chest he wanders around the louvre and writes stuff on the walls with invisible ink because right. that's what i would do because he carries dying. he carries a pen with invisible ink with him yeah. at all times <laughs> of course anyways then he put he carves a pentagram into his chest and the police make in the 21st century anyways the correct call which is well it must be some satan worship thing instead the one guy in the room says oh no no because in the in the second <laughs> century, the pentagram meant something different. Yeah. Therefore, this must be what it means. Well, there, it's like if there, it, there, well, that was Tom Hanks. There's who some came truth up with in that, that but... though. I mean, what you know, a word that meant something 500 years ago may not mean the same. No, thing no, no, right no, no. Now. I, I totally agree same with thing that. With symbols. Okay, but here's here's a like perfect this. example. So yeah. a dude a dude drops <laughs> no, dead today at a <laughs> at a crime scene, right? They find some dude at a crime scene. and He's got a swastika carved into his chest. All right. What's it mean in the 21st century? What are people gonna? Well, it assume? depends. If, if you turn the corpse and look at a different angle, it's a symbol of uh, Buddhism. Well, but, but but what's it going to mean in the 21st century? What's the most logical conclusion you can make? At least in 21st century Europe, let's put it that way. I mean, is yeah, it, it should, should we just blow off white supremacy, Nazis? Should we just ignore that? It, and, it and go back the to the, the earlier meanings of the swastika? Exactly. It all well, depends on the culture and where the crime occurred. If he was killed Downtown by... New York. Say a sixth century. It was just normal. <laughs> Downtown yeah. New York is just normal. <laughs> <laughs> it's just no one even notices. <laughs> So for this week's movie, we went out and we picked the beers that we thought characterized the movie. This is the one that I picked. Old English HG 800. That's right. This is a step down from last week. Last week was Miller Lite. You really you really thought it was a step down, too. Oh, God, yeah. Last week was like, you know, I could sit through that one. This one was like, will this thing ever end? God, that looks really bad. Well, you know why I picked it? High Gravity. So it ties into the movie. Can you can you figure oh. out the riddle of how this ties into the movie? <laughs> Do you see the lines actually it's, on yes, the label? It's, if you it's move actually the lines, an anagram. They'll it lead is to an the, the rose line, which it. Whatever. Wait, let's figure out what the anagram of high gravity is. Uh, it could be all Ag- kinds of things. Actually, on the way back from the movie, I was listening to a review on the radio, and they said that the anagram of Da Vinci Code means rent the video. Which I wouldn't even give it that high, but so I'm gonna try this delicious old English. So, Derek, what did you get that you figure that you feel characterizes your experience with the mysterious Da Vinci Code? You know, I I changed my mind actually. I was gonna get um, a Bud Light, but uh, I think I'm gonna get a Heineken. A Heineken. Heineken. Kind of step up a little bit. 
All right, and, why? And because not because that it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the movie was extremely long. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one true thing you can say about this movie, you know, that it was long. Um, so if you're looking for the biggest bang for your buck, you know, it's a good movie. You know, take a That's date true. there. If you if you amortize it out over the cost of per minute of the Absolutely. movie, it was cheaper than other movies we've seen. Absolutely. Without you know, without going to the the whole um, biblical political you know that people are already talking about. I think it's a good mystery movie. You know, something along the lines of Nancy Drew. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not quite that high intellectually, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I got, maybe this is telling, Molson XL, which is a non-alcoholic beer. So that's like, I guess that would even be below Old English 800. I can tell you even why. It's not so much that I got it because I thought it was bad, but I felt that the movie was impersonating a movie. It was like a movie that was trying desperately hard to be a good movie, but failing on every count. So yeah, I'm drinking a, a beer that's like that. trying desperately hard to be a beer, but, but failing. still by its nature is mine not is a beer. Mine is still a beer. Well, actually, mine is technically not a beer. It's malt liquor. I walked into this movie. I have a religious background, and I had preconceptions that I was working very hard to to try to just bury and go see the movie on, on even terms. And I expected to come out of this movie and have to just rip apart the historical backings of it oh, and, and all the nonsense that was portrayed because I would have felt absolutely offended by this movie. In reality, I was offended by the fact that I wanted to go to sleep and the sound was so loud I couldn't stay yeah, awake. it was uncomfortable because it was crowded. Mean. Dude, it was not... I can't find anything good about this movie that I liked. What and honestly, God, I tried. What? You said Audrey was kind of cute. She's kind of cute. So, okay, fine. That's kind of good. But, I mean, even Tom that's Hanks. Uh, that, that's worth an old English HG800. Yeah. No, what I it's give worth credit, is right here. It's I give credit to Tom Hanks. Will. He's the married one. I give credit to Tom Hanks for play, for being able to, or accepting that role in the first place. But for playing one of the most boring roles in movie history. But he was he's successfully. so flat. Exactly. Yeah. Successfully. That's not a good I mean, sign. Here, if you want a good movie about a conspiracy to find ancient religious artifacts with all kinds of neat things that are like leading Monty you in Python different directions, Grail. that's also a very good. I was going to say Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's or a good one too. You've got action. You've got excitement. You've, you've got, got acting. Neat special effects. Humor. Yeah. yeah. This has a lot of little stupid mysteries that make no sense at all. Now, would you? How would you rate this compared to a Scooby-Doo mystery series? About the same, except for the Scooby-Doo mystery would have got would have actually made you think. Nah. And when the when the ghost reveals that it's like the caretaker of the amusement park, you would have been like, God, that's amazing! <laughs> I never would have seen that. If it would have been a exciting, if it would have been National Treasure, I would have at least National been able Treasure to say was probably a little bit better. I'd well, say. it was fun. Yeah, National, National Treasure, Treasure was, was like fun. stupid fun. Yeah. yeah. This, this, this movie, is just long and stupid. Well, no, you know what it did? It tried to, to be so like ominous and serious, and they're you know they trying to make it like it's a big, it's a real deal. Ominous and serious, just like Old English <laughs> HG 800. Yeah. I agree. It, it was it, flat. Nothing about, I couldn't even figure out what the sequence of events was. So, that, you know, Jesus dies, and Mary Magdalene goes to France for some reason, which at that point would that have was, been France. That was really stupid. That would have been all pagan, because mm -hmm. it had just been conquered by the Roman Empire, and then she's like... Hanging out in France, and then a thousand years later, the Templars go 
back to Jerusalem and get some item that, that they, they buried lost. in Notre Dame or wherever under that a line. That tells the truth. That just disappeared in the movie. Remember the, the assassin yeah, killer monk finds it and we never see it again. It's like... Yeah. I, I re- vaguely remember it in the book, but I don't... I, honestly, the book was just as inconsistent and filled with factual errors as the movie was. <clears throat> the things they say sometimes just didn't... They don't make any sense. So we're supposed to believe that Da Vinci, a 16th century painter, is somehow yeah, the source of I don't even understand why his, Da Vinci had anything to even do with it. But that. he's the source of historical proof because he paints a picture? Yeah, 16 so if I go centuries out, later or whatever. 16 centuries later. Of The Last Supper, and then that's like the big proof that... That didn't make any sense. Oh, you know what it's else really bothered me? Though. It's an interesting, yeah, it interesting. You, But you know what really bothered me, though? Did you did, did either of you guys take art history classes in high school or college? Oh, yeah. Because I took Music them in history. both. That was a hot girl in that class, too. Do you, do you, not, do you remember any of the stuff where they talked <laughs> about people crazy. like... They talked about people like Botticelli and Michelangelo and Da Vinci and all the, Raphael, Isn't all the masters. Botticelli of pasta? No. The, yeah, but the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Uh, so, but they talked about all these guys, and they they talked about how in in previous eras the young male form was always painted and presented in a very feminine light, in a very boyish, feminine. That's how they were portrayed. That was the way things were back then. So when hair. they're showing who is who is supposedly the Apostle John sitting right next door to Jesus, and they're saying, no, 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 it's not John, it's Mary Magdalene. So now it's, no, it's not John, because it, it looks too feminine. Well, go look at represent, representations of, like, David, and mm-hmm. it, it, they all look feminine. That's so just the way they... dressers or something? I'm just saying that's the way they did they it. They have long hair. See, but got, now we have a sequel to the movie. Who, who is John, really? Was John really a disciple? <laughs> maybe he was, maybe he was uh, transgender. Because he wasn't maybe there. He was if that's the case, then he wasn't in the Last Supper. Where was he? Was he cooking? Or, I mean, what was he doing? I don't know. They just, you know, I they're talking it, about Constantine's Rome and th- that the Christians caused some sort like of three uprising. Which later. And yeah. I, I mean, it, there's it historical inaccuracies sense. left yeah. and right. Well, here's another thing that's kind of interesting. Apparently, the Louvre doesn't actually have any security cameras. So mm-hmm. if you're looking to steal the Mona Lisa, just... As long as you get in there, you're fine. Other than that, um, why would you wander around writing riddles on the walls? Why wouldn't you just write it all out, like right next to you where you're dying, and let them find that if they're gonna find it? But see, this is the or part. maybe just write it out with ballpoint pen on a piece of paper. Hey, but at the heart, though, is what is where your conspiracy <laughs> theory is, because no conspiracy theory works if someone just comes out and tells the truth. Yeah, it has well, to be exactly. like layers upon layers. You always of... have to have all these little riddles and mysteries yeah. to solve. And, yeah. Well, that might make an interesting movie, you know. Well, I also thought it was just doesn't funny. make a very like, good plot. They, they bring Tom Hanks in. He's like an expert on all these symbols and stuff. And his, you know, then they bring in the girl that is an expert on cryptography. Yeah, the, the police departments the, have a cryptographer. Police, well, maybe if you're big as Paris, you might, I suppose, because you know criminals might encrypt guess. their laptops and stuff. But why would you? Yeah, that didn't make. Everybody's sense. just sort of an expert on these things. It's like, and oh, my favorite one was where where they give them they they find the little decoder wheel. Yeah, that thing's awesome. He hands them he hands them the box for the decoder wheel, and it's so what you've got is a a, a weird little it's got five wooden box. Well, wait a minute, oh, okay. no, it's a little wooden box, and on the front of the box is is a little engraving of a rose, mm-hmm. and Tom Hanks is like, oh, it's a rose. <laughs> a rose is the sign of the Holy Grail. <laughs> It must have it's something to do with it. Rosa means below the rose. I mean, <laughs> you know. I no, mean, my come favorite on. Is, is so they get the uh, they get this this device that apparently Leonardo had designed one where where there's five there's five dials and you have to line you know it to make a five character word to encrypt well not to encrypt but to, to secure it. It's like a lock. And she's like, well, there's like five million, you know, possibilities. I'm like, but that, how long would that actually take you to just guess, you know? Yeah. If you've had, I mean, how they never. That's the thing. I, I don't know the chronology. How old was that thing supposed to be? 
Da Vinci's time period, I assume. Well, then why did he encrypt it? I mean, I, forgive me if I'm giving something away. Why did he pick the password Apple? Well, because it that's an English to do word. With... He's not English. I don't know. <laughs> why? Yeah. I don't None know. of this makes any sense, people. No. That and that and that in in the end is why I'm going to say it again. I don't understand this phenomenon. It is a phenomenon. I don't understand why. Why are people so intrigued by this? It's a bad. It's a poorly written story. It's a poorly filmed story. Like I said, I couldn't even get past the first page of this when I was trying to read it because well, it's implausible. The beginning was so stupid. I don't know. So wrapping it up, Derek, what did you think? I still think it's a good movie that although you shouldn't pay the full price for, but you know, if you like a good, I guess it's semi good mystery movie for entertainment purposes only. And if you were a huge Nancy Drew fan. I definitely recommend this movie. <laughs> I was more of Hardy Boys. Nancy Drew is Hardy Boys, Nancy girls. Drew. You know, you know that, whatever that really your says a lot are. about the movie. And I stick to my assessment that it's beer without actually being beer. So it was a movie yeah. pretending to be a lot more than what they wanted it to be. I would say well, this is gonna, so not worth your time. I would agree with you there, but I'll never go into the near beer range just because I don't think it, it agrees with the, the rationale of the show here. So Old English <laughs> HG800. <laughs> Don't blame me if you if you think it's a waste of money because I warned you. Reach out, space. Time for another round of the score. The music behind the screen, all about soundtracks and film scores. The music of the movies. Last week we talked about John Williams' score for The Poseidon Adventure. And at the very beginning of that review, you might recall that I brought up a term called leitmotif. And I said that this was something that I would want to explain later on to help you understand film scores and how they work. Well, I decided that there's no better time than the present, and that having a full understanding of what leitmotif is and how it works within a film score would give you, if you are unfamiliar with it, a better appreciation for how deep film scores really can be and how cool they really are. So I've got a great example planned for you today. But first of all, let's get into leitmotif and explain to you what it is very simply. The term leitmotif, spelled L-E-I-T-M-O-T-I-F, by the way, comes from a blending of the German word leiten, which means to lead, and the French word motif, meaning the motive or the theme. You put them together and it means leading motif. A leitmotif, as it applies to music, is a reoccurring theme that's associated with a person, place, thing, or even an idea. It's usually a short melody or even a few notes. It's the musical embodiment of an individual character or location or concept. Leitmotifs are used heavily in most of the film, television, and game scores that are released today. They also pop up quite a bit in opera and some classical compositions. A good example of that would be anything by the composer Richard Wagner, who pretty much was a pioneer of the liberal use of the leitmotif in his works. Now you probably already know what leitmotif is, even if you've never heard the word before now. Let me give you a couple of examples. Themes that we're all familiar with. 
Raiders of the Lost Ark, the Darth Vader theme from Star Wars, the Star Wars theme itself, the theme from Rocky. All of these are leitmotifs because they're themes indicative of characters or places and not just a, you know, movie theme. Like Mission Impossible, for example. Mission Impossible is actually a television theme for the entire show. It isn't associated with any particular character or any particular organization. It's just the show theme. So it's not technically a leitmotif. Whereas Raiders of the Lost Ark, for example, that's the leitmotif of Indiana Jones. It's Indiana Jones' theme. Uh, the Imperial March from Star Wars. Well, that's Darth Vader's theme. That's, that's all his. So whenever you hear those things in those movies, th- that's basically the musical voice of that character come to life. Once you learn to start to pick out and understand the use of leitmotif in a score, it opens up huge doors of enjoyment of that score. You can start to hear the complexity and even the subtlest of cues, and actually pick up on the story without even seeing the picture or hearing a line of dialogue. Now, I've worked out a really cool way to show this to you using the score from Star Wars Episode V, The Empire Strikes Back, composed by John Williams. I'm going to take you back to a specific scene in The Empire Strikes Back. This is the scene where Han, Leia, and Chewbacca are betrayed by Lando Calrissian to Darth Vader, a battalion of stormtroopers, and Boba Fett in Cloud City on Bespin. The piece of music I'm going to play is the music that underscores that entire scene. And the cue uses six themes, or six leitmotifs, if you will, to tell the story musically in parallel with what's going on on screen. First of all, let's look at the six themes that are used within this cue and play them individually so that you know what they sound like and can remember it. First off, we have the theme for Luke Skywalker, which most of you are familiar with because it's the theme most commonly understood to be the theme from the Star Wars movies. Next we have the theme that debuted in The Empire Strikes Back for the romance between Han Solo and Leia Organa. Now here's the theme for Cloud City, and I want you to pay particular attention to the use of harps in this theme. is the theme for Lando Calrissian.
Then we have the theme that's most often referred to as the Rebellion Imperial Conflict theme. Um, it's used actually for both the Rebellion and the Empire throughout the Star Wars saga. And if it's in a major key, it's usually for the Rebellion. And if it's in kind of an augmented minor key, it's for the Empire. The important thing to understand about this cue is that whenever it's played in the Star Wars movies, it signifies conflict and the war between the Rebellion and the Empire. Next is a theme I'm sure you all know, which is Darth Vader's theme, also known as the Imperial March. Lastly, we have the theme for everyone's favorite bounty hunter, Boba Fett, which was used very little in the Star Wars movies. Good. So now that you've got an idea of what all these themes sound like, and given what I've just told you about what leitmotif is and how it's used to help tell the story of a film, and let's take a look at this cue as it played in the film, and picture in your mind how that scene went, and I think you'll see that the use of leitmotif and the various themes as they weave in and out of each other actually tells the exact same story you see on screen and hear in dialogue without using any of that. First up, we have a sprightly version of Luke Skywalker's theme. This is when he's coming into Cloud City. Next, I want you to listen for the harps. Now, the harps, as you recall, are shades of the Cloud City theme. Whenever there's harps, it's always talking about Cloud City. And at this point, you hear the Han Solo and Leia theme enter. As in the film, you're entering a room uh, where some dialogue is going on between them. Now Han, Chewie, and Leia are going to exit their room, and the Lando Calrissian tune pops up into view as they're all walking down a hallway together. I want you to listen very carefully to this next part of the cut and try to pick out the Rebellion Imperial Conflict theme. you hear it? As they slowly near a room, the door is open, and standing there is Darth Vader. And next to him is Boba Fett. And the harsh use of brass 
and a minor key signifies that things are not well for our heroes. Then we return to the Luke Skywalker theme as, and the harps that signify Cloud City again in a more desperate tone this time as time is running out on our heroes and Luke races towards the Cloud City. Not only did John Williams use familiar instrumentation of previous themes to let you know where you were and who you were looking at, but he also wove in themes that told you exactly what to expect even before it happened if you were just listening to the music. perfect example of this is when Lando is escorting Han, Leia, and Chewie to meet their fate with Darth Vader. The Rebellion Imperial Conflict theme is woven throughout Lando's theme. And earlier in the film, it was upbeat, stately, and uninterfered with by any other theme. But now Lando's theme is broken into, rather sneakily, by the Rebellion and Imperial Conflict theme. Which tells you that what's around the corner and through that door that our heroes are heading into is going to bring conflict. It's not necessarily good. There's something wrong inside Lando's Cloud City. Again, another example of the ways the music is used to evoke the emotions. Luke's theme, used in the very beginning, is very upbeat. Major key. He's a hero. He's coming to save his friends. Everything is still okay. There's still time. But at the very end of the queue, when Luke's theme reappears again, it's now far more desperate. It's actually faster and it's now played in an augmented key. And it's now backed up by unsettled strings in the back, which say, hey, there's danger afoot. So I think now you've got a pretty good idea of what leitmotif is, and how the intertwining themes of characters, places, concepts, can all add something to a film, and you may not even notice it when you first watch a movie. But this is one of the thrilling and very cool aspects about film scores. And I think in the future, when I bring these kinds of things up, you'll be able to see it more clearly, understand it, and really have an appreciation for this genre of music. Now that you're out of school, next time we're going full throttle with more music into a brand new review. Looking forward to it. I will catch you next time. So this is a new segment that we're going to be doing, trying out in the future. And basically what we're going to do is talk about the movies that I have gotten on my Netflix account Yay, during, Netflix. since the last show. Netflix rocks. Netflix rocks. In fact, why don't we talk about that real quick? Netflix basically, for those of you who don't know what it is, is you pay a monthly fee. It's kind of like the library, right? So you can take one DVD out, and as soon as you return it, you can get another one. Yep. And so if I'm, if I'm watching them as quickly as I'm getting them, I can go through three DVDs a week, which if you do the math... That works out to be a heck of a lot cheaper than running at Blockbuster. Well, and basically you, you make a queue. So you go in online and you pick movies you think you yeah. want to see, and they have trailers for them and the whole nine yards reviews. And mm-hmm. you check them off, you add them to your queue, and when you return the one you just watched, they just go get the next one on your queue and they and automatically send it. Automatically send it. Out. And yeah. You don't have to pay for postage, you just 
reseal the little envelope thing, drop it in your mailbox. It's way it's cool. Way cool. It's an excellent idea. Eric and I are both addicted to it, basically. Yep, yep. This week's movie was called Knockaround Guys. Among the stars it had John Malkovich, who had kind of a bit part, Barry Pepper, Vin Diesel, Seth Green, kind of the four young guys who were kind of the focus of the movie. Two of them are the sons of mafia lords, and the others are just somehow affiliated with the mafia. They're all kind of on that side of things. And they're kind of disenchanted with being the, uh, you know, not being able to, for one thing, they can't get real jobs because whenever they go to, you know, apply for a job, the whoever's interviewing them has heard of their father and doesn't want to bring them into the, the organization and, and things like that. So they're okay, basically right. just not, not happy and they want, they want to have a bigger role, you know, in their parents' empire. So what happens, I don't want to give away too much of the plot, but the, the one's father decides to allow Barry Pepper's character, allow him to go pick up a bag of money that's... He screws it up. The money gets lost. It ends up going out to some place out in like Utah or Idaho or something, some little country bumpkin town. To me, when I saw the interview or the preview, it sounded like an interesting or funny concept, which is you have these four like Sopranos mafia guys going out to like this small town in Idaho and trying to figure out what happened to the money and having right. run-ins with the local bumpkins and having you know problems with the cops and, and all that. So the idea was kind of neat, but it just didn't go anywhere. You know what I mean? Was this a movie that actually made the theaters? Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. It did? It made the theaters. It was one of those ones that just kind of came and went. Didn't okay. do anything. Was it more of an art house type movie? Oh, no. no. It was it's a large really, release? Yeah, it's a normal. I just don't remember it. Recommended or not recommended? I would not recommend it. Huh. Okay. My, my general view is it, it was just kind of slow, and it was trying real hard to be kind of hip and have like how, what it did with the photography and things like that to try and move things along. But in the end, it was just kind of boring, and it, and it, it almost seemed like it was... A movie that would be like a, a good like Sopranos episode, maybe. Like a one hour episode or whatever, but doesn't make a very good full length movie. Sounds like My Blue Heaven with Steve Martin. I've never seen Sort that. of. I've never seen where that. he's like the mobster that's I think in the witness protection program and he lives in like suburban Jersey or somewhere mm-hmm. and he's totally out of his element. Or what was the other one with the mobster totally out of his element? Well, like um my cousin Vinny. Yeah, that? that's exactly what. I'm so that's thinking. a good yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. So Same it's kind, kind of, of that deal. kind of thing. This wasn't really supposed to be a comedy, I don't think. It, what it reminded me of what it was trying to be like was uh, Snatch. I don't know if you ever saw yeah, that. Yeah. Where it's kind of like it has all kind of the hip, weird cuts and music and all that kind of stuff, but just not not, just not as good as that one. Huh. So. Well, so if you're interested in Netflix, go to www.netflix.com and or check go it to out. the screen.com and click on our Netflix link there, and then we'll get a That's a, a small thing. bit of cash back from Netflix that'll help us keep doing the show. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, let's do the ending all as anagram mysteries. Oh boy. The pie is in the windshield. Ooh. Uh, what does that anagram out to? I don't know. Oh. It's not important. Oh, but we know, but the listener, you should send okay, us. Well, here, your... in, true, in true Da Vinci code form, the pie is in the windshield. You read it, decipher it, it says, go upstairs and open the refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, through some inscrutable thing yeah. that's what it translates into and then and it makes you, sense to everyone right. involved when you open the refrigerator you see eric's bottle of old english hg 800 half done high gravity malt liquor and if you rearrange those words it'll say rogue wave it'll say the screen rogue wave bad movie go yeah and so then you'll have to go to like so dark the con of man um berlin and smash through the floor of a cathedral 
And then underneath there, you'll find another bottle of old English. You'll find like a, a Casio calculator, oh, which yeah, means yeah, yeah. nothing. Which means nothing, but you if you enter the numbers. And it says numbers, hello uh, if you turn it if around. You turn it upside down. Yeah. The technology that speaks to man leads the way to the doorway <laughs> of... The prophecy says. Yeah. <laughs> I hate prophecies. Okay. I hate movies with prophecies. Let's just leave it at that. I have a prophecy. What's that? The show will end in under one minute. All right, so that wraps up that review. We're hoping for something better in the future. Please, Hollywood, oh, send God. us better movies. My liver can't take this. This show can't take this anymore. <laughs> it's like... We're on the second one, and we've already had two bad movies. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say the last one's bad. It was just mediocre. This one's just bad. Boy. Really, I, the Poseidon just rolled over. This one just dropped dead. This one got strangled by a albino, self-flagellating <laughs> monk. I would have preferred flagellating. <laughs> hey, we don't know. They didn't have smell vision Maybe he flatulates too. From I mean, if you do that much damage uh, to yourself, maybe you'd have some digestive problems. So that's going to wrap it up for this week's screen. We will be back next week. This is Bryce. This is Derek. And this is Eric. We'll see you next time. Ciao, baby. Green is a Snapdragon production and part of the Taverncast family of podcasts. Visit us online at www.taverncast.com. I have gold. I have found a grill. Shh, 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 shh. Go ahead,